I dropped off a card at Mother's Day. I said it from the kids with a Z. I hope that's okay. Wait, did you hermetically seal it in a plastic bag with instructions to not open for three days so that the virus could die? Uh. Harry, Harry, are you trying to kill our mother? I told you guys I was going to do that, and you didn't say anything then. We thought you were going to, like, get a card externally. What do you mean, get a card externally? Like, you know, through Amazon or something. <laughs> as impersonal as possible. Have a machine sign the card. You know, maybe I'm the idiot here, but that does seem like it's missing the point. It absolutely is. Well, I guess... I don't know. <laughs> well, great. You know, now, now if something bad happens, you've successfully put it on me, so good job. <laughs> Yay. Welcome to Brokazatsu, Two Brothers Exploration of Tokusatsu Shows and Related Media. My name's Sam. And I'm Harry, and I guess I gotta apologize for giving our mom a loving card, you know, just left in the mailbox. You bastard. Hmm, you know, before, that was like a nice day I made a memory of it, because like I, <laughs> you know, I went out, quickly got the card at a store, then I did some takeout from a local restaurant to support them, and then I just, because it was outside and not crowded, I went to the local Skyline School, like the elementary school, where me and you both went. And I just sat in part of the, like, big outdoor area and just sat in the sun eating my lunch. I was like, boy, this is a great day. And, oh, it's it's wonderful, Sam, that you've retroactively ruined it by blaming me for <laughs> theoretical damage to our mother. Don't worry, Harry, don't worry. Like, our mother, our mother is smart and wise, I'm sure that she has taken that card and promptly dropped it into a Ziploc baggie, where she shall not touch it for quite some time. Yep. Speaking of ruining memories, let's <laughs> talk about today's episodes of Kamen Rider Zero One, the only show we're covering this week because uh, we're a little tired. We did a couple long episodes in a row, and also these are for lots of reasons, you know. Yeah, we're, we're catching up on Zero One, and so we were like, you know what? Zero One focused episode. We haven't done one of those before, and so to be consistently inconsistent, we're going to do that. <laughs> we we definitely haven't done one of these before, much like the episode we did where we covered three Zero One episodes in a row early on. Great. Yeah. You know what? Keep going. Keep going. The only thing we're consistent about is Sam not knowing enough about the podcast he is a part of. Anyway, so episode 33 starts uh, with Fua bringing in another illegally disposed Humagear he found. Yes, this is a tennis coach Humagear, and as they uh, reactivate him, uh, they have to break it to this Humagear that he was illegally dumped. And, oh, that's... That is really harsh. Like, uh, waking up, like, you went to sleep, a beloved member of a family, you are woken up some indeterminate amount of time later, having been told that you were dropped in a garbage can unceremoniously. Yeah, he he's, uh, his name is Love Chan, probably because, you know, tennis, the, the love term, but also just silly names. And and Fu, I, I should mention, he's he's still, everyone is a tsundere for how much they're on Arto's side here. The tennis pro, like, he is, he is very on, like, he is very just full, 100% forward all the time. That is, that is his personality, just a full force coach personality, and he just ride out, he has a dream. 
This is a Humagear that doesn't need to think about what he wants to do. He knows what he wants to do, and that is to make his child, his former charge, into a pro tennis player. He doesn't know how he could have gotten thrown out because he and Keita have a great relationship. It could have been his mother or something like that. I, I don't know. And Arta says, yeah, it's a mystery. I miss tennis. Oh, wait, I messed that up. Uh, it's a tennis mystery. I miss tennis. I, sure. That, that wasn't worth going back for. It really wasn't, Harry. Also, I think, like, I, I'm i still going off the bad translation. I, I think I'm going to side with the bad translation in that theirs was at least not memorable and not actively painful. All right, yeah. Let, let's just go on to uh, Hidden Intelligence, where, uh, where Jack... He's telling you, uh, all right, I'm giving you one last final chance. You've betrayed, you've kind of failed and betrayed me increasingly in the like past five episodes or so, but I'm going to give you one more final chance. And he puts a straight up hit on Fua. Like he is ordering her to take Fua out. Yeah. Remove him from the board. It's time to reduce him to what he used to be. Yua is confused by that saying, what do you mean? And Jack says, oh, I, I never explained his backstory, huh? The the stuff I did to him? Yeah, let, let's cut away. So, just dramatic cut away to title. And as we come back, uh, Aruto and Izu, they have located the child who uh, Love Chan was working for. So, we get a little bit of what uh, might have caused the uh, Hibagir to be thrown out. Like, <laughs> we get a shot of the child saying that uh, his family thought it was a little creepy. That there was a fully grown man just kind of like sleeping watching him at night all the time and there's a very quick horror movie shot of just like an old man crouched under a desk just staring at a child's bed at night and yeah yeah fucking creepy he says that uh you know his girlfriend was complaining about it so he just kind of threw him out uh so i'm yeah i'm kind of on the kid's side with this one and aruto uh he's a little reluctant about this whole case like we're not getting the regular old just happy all the time aruto like uh, Aruto could tell that there's a little bit more to the story uh, than everyone is letting on. That there might not be the possibility of a 100% happy ending this time. Uh, so, yeah, Love Chan, he he rose up the stairs and says, Don't worry, it's it's all under, under the bridge. Let's get right back to our intense training. You're going to get to the championship. And Keita is not fully enthusiastic, says, Yeah, sure, let, let's, let's do that stuff. Uh, it's at this point that the hard boys show up to come and murder some Hubegears. It's almost like there's two teams of them. This is Team A that showed up first. Team B shows up later. This this is the one with the bald guy and the one with the hat. Okay. Well, it's a massive corporation. We got to assume that they have more than two security guards. Uh, probably the next episode, they're going to have like an army of them. But these guys are specific actors you can recognize. They get into a fight, and uh, it's really not too... They're, they're doing pretty good at holding them off. Yua, looking totally shattered, is hiding uh, at the sidelines. Yeah, she transforms and basically tackles Fu out of the way, saying, like, oh god, I'm so sorry, like, I should never have made you a common writer, please, let's stop this. She's breaking, like, she's screaming at him. Yeah, like, I mean, it's not fully clear now, but Yua, hearing what Jax uh, said, like, what he's done, she has already basically emotionally left his services. He's She's just kind of trying to break it to Fuwa nicely. Fuwa is confused and uh, drives away uh, Yua. There's a do they even fight, really? Like, do they transform, or do they just yell at each other until she walks away? No, they transform. Like, she she drags him away with her uh, scythe and tries to rip his belt off. And he says, no, like, Ben, why are you acting so weird today? And she's like, uh, I don't know, <laughs> definitely not related to you. 
Yeah, one of those non-fight fights where they're just standing around and be like, hey, I don't actually want to punch you, so I'm not going to. Oh, they even have a chat. Oh, so Yua, she walks away sadly, and then she sees Team B of the Hardcore, and they try to kill Yua. Oh, yeah, yeah, she's doing the sad walk back to the van. Uh, the other two security guards hop out. They pull up assault weapons and assassination attempts. Afua has to come in for the save. That doesn't take long. He's in, like, his super mode and their basic mooks. They're not even transformed. Like, and he screams at them, like, you know, feelings can overcome technology, which uh, Yua is standing behind him, and she's a scientist, so she knows that that's not true, but she also feels that maybe it is. Uh, and Fua, he then kind of leans on the van and says, hey, uh... I, I never regretted becoming a comedy writer, but I gotta say, your whole system is full of some faults. The, you know, uh, my chip, my brain chip, isn't really controlling me anymore, and the authorization system you put on the keys can just be forced open. It's at this point, Sam, that I realized that this is a superpower Juicero. I don't know what that means. You don't know about the Juicero? Juicero. Wait, is that one of those, like, juice cartridge machines? Yeah, that was the, it was the one on the internet that was, it was like a ridiculous startup thing that was a customized hydraulic press that cost way too much money and you could get designer juice packets that it would squeeze out. And it, first of all, all the branding itself was totally douchey and terrible, but then people just realized that you could get the packets and squeeze them with your hands. <laughs> Like, they're, they're trying to put DLC, like, authorization stuff on food, and people were like, no, we could just, we could just eat it. <laughs> good times, good times back in the aughts. Wait, was that the aughts or was that the teens? I, I think it was pretty recent. Jesus Christ, this decade has been so fucking long. Well, it's, that's not this decade. Don't worry, we're into a new one now. Oh, God. Well, is it a new one until it clicks over to the one? See, that's the problem with the years, because the whole... BCE, CE divide. That's the one mathematical system where it doesn't start at zero, it starts at one. Everything else does, but I think, like, there's a weird gap where normally there's a zero. I don't know. Anyway, we're in the between times, Harry. We're in we're in the null zone where nothing is real, everything is fake. Speaking of things that are fake, Fua's memories. Very briefly, uh, Hirobi is telling Jin, it's like, hey, you know, I need your help. Uh, for the Arc 2 Ascent to the surface, it needs all of Mitsubo Jinrai. Jin kind of kind of agrees in a vague way. Like, I, I don't know. These episodes are making it seem like he's working with Hirobi, but it's pretty clear he's running his own plan. Yeah, a little bit. I'm not sure he has a fully formed plan at this time. Oh, and Jack calls you on the phone and says, like, hey, you know, I know you've betrayed me again, so just go kill the human gear and I'm going to kill Fua. <laughs> yeah. So now we finally get uh, back to uh, Love Chan and the child, and he's just running him hardcore drills, just 100% all the time, and now we get to figure out exactly what happened to him before. It turns out the kid just threw him out because he couldn't take it anymore. Like, Love Chan, he's super forward all the time. He's he's slabbing tennis balls at the kid. We saw in an earlier practice match, he was basically blowing someone away with a tennis ball that was on fire and the kid isn't like that into tennis like he likes it but he just wants to have fun with it yes he he just wants to enjoy tennis and 
as you know, as a competitive wargamer, one thing I can confirm is that the first step to becoming a competitor is learning to hate the game that you are playing. So the the funny story from before was a lie. He doesn't even he doesn't even have a girlfriend. And Love China sad to hear that because he was so happy for him. <laughs> it's a real bad look and it's a real bad mood. And Aruto, like his his hesitation before was entirely justified because now this human gear's dream to make this child like a tennis prodigy is just straight up not going to happen because the kid has a different dream. And when your dream is dependent on the dreams of another person, oh, that's a very complex and like probably doomed dream to have. Yeah, and there's a moment where the kid is off to the side like, hey, I just want something achievable. I want to do something in my own life. But, but through all the yelling about dreams, Yua is kind of, she's again skulking in the shadows, looking at, does she, does she have a tracker on them so she can always just look at them from around the corner? Harry, this is a tokusatsu show. Like, Tokyo is three blocks. All she has to do is just walk around like two or three quarters and she's there. So to make the whole gang here. Jack shows up with a couple of his hard boys. And his umbrella. Yes, as she is screaming at the child about dreams, like, uh, Jack turns around to Yua, folds up his daytime umbrella, and he drops the bomb that, hey, Fua, what happened to you 12 years ago? It was a fake memory. This is going full on Ghost in the Shell, but his motivation, his whole revenge mission, is dumb and made up to just... Give him motivation and a revenge mission to want to kill Humagears, because that's what Jack wanted him to do. Harry, this is where I was talking to you before the show about, like, you know, plot holes and other things. This doesn't make any kind of sense whatsoever, because we saw when his chip was installed in his head, and it was around episode 12. Like, the the chip with the fake memory, that's the same, like, they're describing, unless... There's some kind of translation error, and they somehow installed two chips into Fu's head without him knowing about it. Like, the chip with the fake memories is the Naki chip, which he got around episode 12, after we had been with Fua for 12 episodes, on his bloody revenge rampage against Humagears. No, 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 for me, this actually solves a lot of the problems. Okay, here's the course of events as I see it. So... Uh, Jack finds Fua for whatever reason. I don't know. Like, right, we've been calling him a cop, but with all these revelations, he's never actually been a cop. I, For all we know, he's like a guy Jack picked up off the street or, you know, just some intern that he put a chip into, gave him false memories and said, you're going to be our weapon. I'm going to train you and you're going to be good at, you know, killing robots because of your backstory. He was a pizza delivery man who was oddly ripped, showed up and Jack just kidnapped him and put a chip in his head. Yeah, and then, so, it's not that the chip was put into his head when Naki was killed. He just downloaded, like, Naki's personality data. So it it wasn't, like, an implant then. He just, like, gave the... He just copied and pasted. Okay, so we are presuming that at some indeterminate point in the past, Fua unknowingly got a brain chip. Yeah, well, I mean, he probably knew it was happening, but then Jack erased his memories. So then he didn't know it had, it had happened. This actually fixes that really well. What I was going off of, like, the translation work that I was seeing was that the Naki chip and this chip were the exact same chip. Which, if that's the case, no, completely 100% don't work. I, I'm pretty sure it's the data. That, that's that's just gotta be a wording thing, because it's it's just... Uh, I mean, later on, they're trying to get Naki back out of him, and there's not surgery happening there, it's just another copy-paste thing, just in the other direction. 
All right, and we will get to that next episode. It's a very important bit of next episode. Uh, but back to this one, and I guess we'll put a pin into that. And, uh, yeah, so now we get to the final fight of the episode, where uh, Yua finally, finally, finally confronts Jack. She says, like, she doesn't have a dream, but what she has is conviction as a mechanical engineer. And he's been abusing and misusing the technology that she is helping him cre- that she has been helping him create the uh, the belts, the Zyaspecs, everything. And so she slaps out her belt and she goes after Jack in her cheetah form. Yeah. And she's also like doing pretty good. Uh, everyone has figured out how to fight Jack at this point. He's just a big tank. He, he's not actually good at fighting. No, he really isn't. And yeah, you were you were especially like it took the guys a couple rounds going against Jack to figure out his quirks, to figure out his moveset. Now, she has been observing. She like from the jump is just pummeling him. And he's even like she has a chip in her head, too, that he is actively trying to fuck with. She's using her base form and like her brain is melting half the time and she's still about even with Jack. <laughs> It's it's a real bad look for the jacket boy. He was thrown off by this whole revelation that, you know, his past is a lie. He's not who he thought he was. And that kind of threw him out of things for a bit. But he does turn to the side and see, oh, someone's fighting Jack. I mean, I can kind of I can kind of deal with this existential crisis later. I still do want to kick his ass no matter what. I no longer need hatred. I have a dream. Also, I kind of want to say, like, just quick editing note right here. So the shots of Fua. When he's having this revelation, it's some long, steady shots on him as he's just, like, leaning against the wall collecting himself. And they inserted some awkward grunting sounds from Jack and Yua over this revelation scene with Fua. And I think they forgot to also include, like, punching and kicking sounds. So we kind of- it kind of just sounds like Jack and Yua are just grunting at each other angrily while Fua is having an emotional breakdown to the side of the room. It's, it's kind of it's kind of the scene. Also, later uh, on the final nail in the coffin of do they know what they're doing? Jack, in desperation, des- decides to use his finisher, the amazing horn. <laughs> so they did forget to put in the punching and kicking sounds. They just were like, no, just make make it grunts, nothing but angry grunts. I don't know. Maybe they're getting distracted. It's like, so this is our one reference, but apparently this episode was filmed sometime in March. So we are hitting the point where maybe the production is shifting focus. Mm, I see. I see. Uh, it's something to deal with. But right now, Fua, he jumps into the fray. He's using Gatling Wolf. He's blocking Jack's attacks. Yua, she transforms into her Hornet mode, goes in for a flying kick. And Jack blocks her and they're kind of locked in that stage where, you know, the finishers are clashing against each other. She pulls a gun and shoots him in the head. I love Yua. It, it's great. Jack, he, he goes down to the ground, he's crawling away, he grabs someone's size spec, then tries to brain melt Yua again. Oh, baby! Instead, she punches him so hard that it does, like, the finisher effects on screen. It says, you know, letter of res- resignation. And so he's down, and and all the heroes that we've wanted to be together since, like, back since episode one, they're finally together again. It's been so long, Harry. It's been so long. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, uh, the the plot is kind of meandered. Like, I don't think this is going to be 
super high on our rank. Well, I, I, then again, our rankings, like half of the shows we've hated for one reason or another. So like, I'm, I'm not hating the show. It's, 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 it's doing okay. Uh, we're dusting off that number three spot, Terry. Let's just be honest with ourselves. Yeah, basically. The number three spot is it's to, is it's to lose at this point. As we close up this episode, we catch back up with Love Chan, who has found a new dream to enter the Grand Slam as a player. It is quickly pointed out that it is completely in- unacceptable for human gears to uh, play sports. It is against the law, against all rules and regulations, which considering he can turn a tennis ball on fire with the serve, 100% makes sense. Uh, but the child runs back in. I mean, for, I would suggest just establish a human gear league. You know, that, that would be people would watch that. Hey, we just had an episode about droid fighting rings, Harry, and how unethical they are. No, no, but it, consensual at this point. And I'm not talking blood sports. Like, th- tennis is not a blood sport. I'm pretty sure. I don't know much about sports, but I do believe you can lose a tennis and still survive most of the time. But yes, the child runs in and he has a poster advertising uh, a tennis camp for 10-year-olds uh, that is in need of a coach. And he recommends that Love Chan apply. Yeah, this is a very achievable dream, Love Chan. Yes, and Love Chan... He smiles, he is all about that. Gives the kid a hug and goes away. The final scene is her just kind of wandering off into the city. I, I don't know, maybe, maybe she needs to find a new apartment or something. Or she's looking for new clothes, because in the next episode she's ditched the power suit. I mean, she's been going on, like, long, soul-searching walks throughout the city, like, for the past, like, dozen episodes at the end. Uh, I kind of figure it's just habit at this point. Like, oh, it's the evening, I must go in my evening, like, walk through the city searching for my lost soul. Maybe that is just her path home. You know, she lives locally. It's just, yeah, just the neighborhood walk. But anyway, she uh, this episode, she is confronted by Horobi and Jin of Metsubo Jinrai, who want her help freeing Naki. And she agrees. And uh, let's roll right into episode 34. Yes. So, uh, this episode begins uh, with Aruto touring a high-tech greenhouse facility uh, with the Humagear who is helping them run the operations. And Harry! Holy shit, this is the perfect fucking job for Cuba Gears. It's it's manual labor, it's detail-oriented, it's it's working vegetable cultivation for the good of mankind. It is absolutely something that as I expect can't do. You need hands to pick vegetables. Yep, and because she's a human gear, like she I mean, she doesn't need to worry about contaminating the vegetables as easily because she's not a human, so she's not like I mean, you you still need to worry about getting whatever her skin is made of on there, but I she's not like she won't get sick or spill food on it. It's like the firefighter in a few episodes ago. This is 100% the type of job that, if the world were a good and kind place, robots would be doing them. Yeah, I mean, they're working on it. Like, the, this super farm is pretty cool, and it's based on some actual super farms I've seen videos of. Like, dude, they're setting them up, and uh, I think the best example I saw was in London and some of the tunnels. They've actually started creating large-scale, like, mushroom and fungi farms that are producing lots of food. It, it's a, the way of the future, you know? We, we gotta, you know, population, in theory, is still growing, and uh, we gotta start managing that. Uh, yes, uh, so back to the show, the Huba Gear. Uh, she comes into the shop uh, where Aruto is talking with the management. I'm not 100% sure why Aruto is really here. Is he just looking for a PR story? But it doesn't matter, like... The- well, I mean, he, they they say that you know he said he reactivated her and you know brought her back to the farm and everyone's really happy you know. Uh, she hands him a leaf of lettuce, which he puts in his mouth and he drops to his knees, saying, "Wow, delicious!" And no one has ever said that after eating lettuce. 
Uh, maybe that's why it's so amazing. Like, it's it, it, if you ate some lettuce, Sam, and it was delicious, would, would you not have a reaction? Yeah, I suppose I would if it was actually lettuce and it actually had taste. Holy shit, this is good. My god, th- this is food! My body is actually registering this as food, something that I desire, not something that I force myself to consume. I will eat more of this. And not just that, I will want to. Yeah, I, w- I will just have it between burgers as some kind of, like, uh, offset to remove guilt and distract myself from the fact that no matter what, I, I will crumble to dust one day. All our time is, all our time is impermanent, shouts Arto. Uh... So the scene shout. Uh, the scene. We should write these shows. We we should have characters yell stuff like that. <laughs> uh, this is the middle of a children's show. Like I think that's my favorite moment. All right, kind of a tangent, but like my favorite moment was just in one of the episodes when like Griffin was like, I forget the context, but it's like, all right, yeah, let's just let me stop and think for a few seconds. And he was quiet and just started chatting. Oh God, it's all gonna stop someday. Oh God. <laughs> Uh, <sighs> anyway, Metsubo Jinraiden shows up. Uh, well, yeah, we jump to uh, Yua hanging out with uh, Hirobe and Jin uh, back in their evil lair. Well, just Jin, because Hirobe is off doing something. Well, also, uh, important note, Yua, she is sporting a new look that is just, it's straight fire. Like, this entire series, she's, you know, very put together, very, like, straight, straight business hair. Now that she is out from the clutches of Jack, she, you know, her hair's in a ponytail, uh, she's got a bit, like, more fun clothes, a bit more fun to look to her, and it so works. Jin wants the help of Zaya's head, head of development. Yua puts out, I'm not really that anymore, but, you know, sure, I'll, I'll help you free Naki. But don't consider this an alliance. Cut to heated intelligence, where the the vice president's little crony is serving tea to Jack dressed as a maid, and this really isn't commented on. Not even a little bit. Uh, and also, Jack, he still has a bandage on his face from where Yua punched him. <laughs> they, they ask him, hey, what's going on with Yua? And he tells them, don't worry, I totally dumped her, no matter what you heard. Yeah, I, I was the one who chose to end this relationship. Also, this tea, it's too hot. I need it to be 60 degrees Celsius. Precisely. And the two vice presidents, they... Uh, deadpan to camera. What a weirdo. So hey, Jack likes his tea lukewarm. I don't. I'm not a tea expert. Maybe that's the thing of like, it should be not super hot because then you can taste it better. Uh, it's you either want it you want it pretty hot or you want it iced. Like if it's just lukewarm in the middle, it's just like meh. But then again, he is very meh, so it tracks. Back to the farm where the owner is explaining, now these may look like very cheap vinyl tents that, you know, are letting us shoot here for this episode, but they're actually very advanced, cutting-edge solar greenhouses. And he kind of winks at the camera. Uh, in the show's defense, high-tech greenhouses do look like that. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, they're, they're probably at, like, the local university or something, their, like, test thing or whatever. Yeah, it turns out that, like, a well-built greenhouse looks like it is made of, like, super thin material. Because it is! You know? It's just, that that's the thing. It's a super thin material that can uh, let in light, that can be, you know, porous to control, like, the humidity and the temperature, and also just light enough to uh, not collapse under the structure of all, like, the weights of the internal equipment. 
Speaking of stuff the boss is explaining, uh, another guy walks up and says, Oh, hello, uh, this is my son. I want him to take over the business someday, but he's really not ready for it. And the son kind of says, Hey, that, that's not the way to introduce me. What the hell? A little bit of like unnecessary antagonism against this child. Midori, that's the robot for this episode, walks up and says, Hey, hey, don't be like that. You'll make the crops sad. So <laughs> the, the Subagir thinks the... Thinks the vegetables are people. Uh, and hey, it's at this point that, of course, Sorobe shows up. He's got a gang of trilobites gears with him. It says, all right, yeah, this is this is just humanity's ego. You've destroyed the environment, and now you're trying to control it. And that's one of them. Look, Hirobe, you, you don't need to reach to find ways that humans are evil. Like, this is one of your few misses. Uh, yeah, he is mugging just a little bit too hard here. He should have just walked up and said, hey, uh, I need the data for my friend back. Uh, Ikazuchi, the the space brother who turned out to be a secret Metsubo Jinrai member. So now we do have like canon confirmation on all four Metsubo Jinrai people. Aruto doesn't want to just hand it over, so Hirobi turns to his goons and they start shooting up greenhouses. Uh, they menace the they menace the son a little bit, um, or they menace the farmer. They menace the son. Like uh, the farmer, he takes a shot uh, for the son. And that does kind of stop Hirobe a little bit, because as we learned the previous episode or two ago, Hirobe was a father-style humagear. Yep, he's a dad bot. Daddy robot with good abs. So in the end, he turns to Midori and kind of wraps her in a tentacle thing and takes her hostage. He says, all right, so here's the plan. I return this humagear to you if you give me Ikazuchi's data. You know where to find me in the ruined... Uh, city that everybody knows is our secret base and nobody seems to be doing anything about it. Hirobi out. So, uh, Fua, after this, uh, shows up. Fua shows up late to the fight. Uh, Izu is saying that, you know, he's a little distracted uh, by the truth bombs that he got the previous episode. Yeah, it was finding out that your whole past is a lie somehow distracted to you, Fua. And Fua just guesses, yeah, and walks off. <laughs> so, Yua then shows up and she says that they should ask Naki about what his actual past is. And uh, Fua, he kind of demurs a little bit, starts to walk away, so Yua just donkey punches him right at the base of the skull and knocks him out. Karate chop. A good old-fashioned karate chop to knock him out. And goddamn, Fua is the one person on the show that does not need more head trauma. Yeah. Like, what's that, what's that condition where people just keep getting concussions again and again and again? Uh, like chronic encephalitis or some what? Uh, he's got the footballer disease. Yeah, Fua, what he, he has to have that by now. Just from his interactions with Yua alone, he would get that. Not counting any of the other head traumas he's gone through. Like he's had his brain melting every other week, and it's like I don't even feel it anymore. That's a bad sign. You should feel it. Yeah, like what? What do you want to bet that Yua, as soon as she was out of uh, Jack's? Like, uh, view turned to Hoffer Chip or something. I, I bet she could do that, but Fu was never asked. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, like, she she hacked in, and she's like, okay, Wi-Fi, off forever. Go to private mode. Back at the farm, the dad has a broken arm, but he's still at the desk saying, like, I need to do a lot of work to fix this whole thing up. Yeah, because farms, greenhouses, like, they're on a schedule. Uh, they were on a schedule that they expected to have a, a mobile robot handling, so... There's stuff like mustard greens that'll spoil within, like, hours if they don't get them picked. And so they have to go and do that, even though they're severely injured from the confrontation with the with Hirobi. Uh, the the son kind of protested this, saying, we won't be able to do it anyways, just on our own. 
And when the dad is uh, determined, the son thinks, you know, I'm I'm going to make a purchase of my own. And picks up a Zaya catalog. <laughs> Which, I mean, it's not as good as having a robot, but it would help in the organization and, like, the figuring out of what you need to do to maintain the system. Like, it, it, it would be something, you know? And the best situation, as we've learned, is giving suspects to people and just also having human gears. Like, that worked incredibly well the one time they tried it. So, uh, Yua and Jin uh, have Fua back at their lab as their tied-up lap rat. He wakes up and Yua again punches him in the head, like, goddammit. And so they're they're putting on a helmet, they're putting on a Back to the Future style, like, skull case uh, to connect with Naki and uh, see what they could do to get her her freedom back. Uh, Aruto, he's at his office with Izu. Uh, she hands him the data for uh, Space Brother Raiden. Uh, Izu does caution him, saying, I know you want to get the human gear back, but if you give this, it's one step closer to Mitsubojinrai.net being totally complete. So they're talking a little bit more about Hirobi, about, you know, who he is, what he is, and they confirm a little bit now, uh, scanning his data, that he was based on Aruto's father's programming. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure Aruto's father was just the prototype for that line. That, you know, he's just a generic dad bot. But there's that connection there uh, between Aruto and Hirobi. Hirobi is also getting questioned by Midori, who's saying, like, hey, I, I'm fine working with humans. I, I was built to help them and raise crops, and I like it. Like, what were you built for? And Hirobi gets angrier and angrier the more she asks, and also does the supervillain thing of hitting the lady. All of my existence is the Ark's will. Although he doesn't seem quite as blasé about it. Like, he, he almost seems kind of surprised afterwards. It is kind of an open question, like, how much of Hirobi's actions are his own doing? Like, is he completely being controlled by the Ark? Like, is he completely brainwashed, chip-style? Like, that might be something that they're exploring, who knows? I mean, he's been under the program for so long that maybe the, with the thing with him is that he doesn't know, like, what there is beyond that. When he was in Fua's custody, he was not connected to the Ark, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he'd lost this connection, right. He said that. Okay, and that was the part of the show where he actually started to, you know, kind of come around and have, like, actual real conversations with Fua about stuff. So that kind of tracks. Like, if the Ark is just suppressing uh, the actual the actual will of the human gear, uh, even if it's, like, willfully so, you know, if he's, like, intentionally just allowing the Ark to take over everything and make all the decisions for him. Uh, so they get to the next day. Uh, they're at the... They're at the Daybreak Town, and Aruto hands over the data. And he screams at, uh, he screams at Hirobe a little bit. He screams at him, like, why are you doing this? Don't you have, like, your base instincts? Didn't you raise Jin? Because deep down, you're a father. And Hirobe says, I just followed the will of the Ark. And he kills Midori. He doesn't hack her, like, like he did so many times before with other human gears. Maybe he's realized that Aruto could just reverse that. No, he... He, after he lets her go, hits her with a tentacle, and just blows her up. That's, that's brutal. And, uh, Aruto is pissed, and he holds nothing back as he goes in, transforms, and fights Hirobi. As they're fighting, the the son, he's gotten his eyes spec, and hey, it, it seems pretty cool. He's got it, he's scanning the room, he's figuring out the components he can use, and then his brain gets hacked. Oh yeah, the thing that we all knew was going to be happening with the Zyaspex, 
this is where it actually goes down. Because it turns out that uh, back in the Labrat station, uh, Yua and Jin have freed Naki uh, from uh, Fuwa's brain. And the first thing Naki did was activate a kill program inside all the Zaya specs that allowed her to take over every single person wearing one. There's a moment where Jack is shocked at this happening, saying, This can't be. Our security is absolute. No, it's not, Jack. <laughs> Jack Jack is the worst. Jack is the worst at everything. Like, I'm a computer programmer, but, like, I'm not a hacker. I'm fairly certain, given me a couple weeks, I could break the security you have on this, Jack. Like, this is not a secure system. Absolutely. It, it can't be. It's impossible to have a perfectly safe system like that. It's because it's an interconnected network. And, yeah, Naki, she's back in the secret laboratory, and she's got the red glowing evil eyes, so I'm pretty sure that she's connected back to the Ark, and it's overriding her personality again, like with Hirobi. Are we assuming that the Ark is now controlling, like, a sizable chunk of the population? Uh, everyone wearing, uh, everyone wearing Google glasses? It's probably not that sizable, like, it's gotta be a high-end product. Uh, but still, it's like... It's like that final scene in Kingsman, where they're kind of playing it off as a joke, that most of the world is, like, fist-fighting each other and punching each other and going all violent. But when you step back and think about it, you're like, damn, probably hundreds of millions of people just died. I hear that Google Glass has actually had a second life as, like, a factory assistance thing. Like, it's actually super useful for stuff like that, so that's... Oh yeah, there's, that there's absolutely a usage case for all this technology. It's just not as universally applicable as they pitch it on the first meetings. And, and they have to pitch it that way, because that's how it sells. Anyway, Jin swoops down in his burning Jin mode and grabs the data thing back from Aruto. And goes to stand next to Hirobi. So, it's looking like we got a bit of a united front, at least for the moment. Kind of. It... Alright, it, it does the thing where Arto is shouting at him, why are you doing this? Are you on their side? And Jin doesn't say anything back before the episode ends. And like, Yeah, so it might not be Jin's voice that replies. Is that what you're saying? I mean, he's obviously doing some kind of play. Like, you know what? I, I don't think, because she seems totally fine with Naki coming back and being evil or whatever. And like, I, I don't think she wants humanity to be exterminated. Like, that'd be it. You know, that would be an interesting turn if after this she just is on board with Metsubo Jinrai. But I don't think that's what she's doing. Like, obviously they're doing some kind of thing to get Naki out and free. And, like, Jin, I, he's not fully on board with Hirobi. But it's just, like, they're concealing that until they reveal it next episode. Or in, like, two episodes. Because next episode is 35 and we are rapidly approaching what's got to be the final arc. And in... Uh, this show is a lot like Kamen Rider X-Aid, and Kamen Rider X-Aid <laughs> experienced a major shift around episode 36, where another secret villain was introduced. We'll see, we'll see. Like, do you think, do you think it's Jin underneath that Burning Falcon? What if it's, what if it's Naki, Larry? Like, you know, Jin and Naki were together in the secret base. Like, what if Naki took the belt? What if it's Yua? What if it's Yua under that armor? That would be cool. Wouldn't that be pretty fucking badass? I don't know. Either it's Jin and he's concealing his reasons, or it's someone else and it's not really Jin. I mean, there's th there's obviously some play going on here that we'll figure out. I, I like how <laughs> when Yua is finally out there making decisions, she doesn't bother to clue in Aruto because she, she doesn't really trust him. But those are the two episodes we are covering. Brief episode, but like an interesting one moving forward. And next time, 
we'll do 101 and two Power Rangers RPM, like we, like we, well, not like we always do, but like we're doing for this stretch of the podcast. It's our normal thing that we do about 50% of the time. Yes. <laughs> 50% of the time, we're 100% reliable. Yes. But until next week comes, what is everyone going to keep doing to keep their spirits high? The, the one thing we're um, 1,000% reliable about, we're going to keep dancing. Just keep dancing, everyone. Keep dancing. Keep dancing.